Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Body by B podcast. Really need to get a better name for that, guys. Can you please let me know? Someone with some creativity, more than my limit of, I don't even know, a teaspoon. It's kind of the level of creativity that I have in my brain. So what we're going to talk about today, we are going to talk about New Year's resolutions. Topical, but important. And I think before we kick off with this, is I will just prefix, I'm actually not really a huge lover of New Year's resolutions. I am and I'm not, and we'll kind of we'll work through that. But I think it's really important that if you have a goal or if you have something that you would like to achieve, you don't need to wait until January the 1st to kind of get cracking with that, right? You can do this throughout the year. And, and one of my many values is around kind of analysing yourself and iterating and and you know just improving as much as you possibly can so you don't need to wait until you know the first of jan however i'm acutely aware that a lot of people will make new year's resolutions over this this period so i thought it would be helpful maybe just to give you some thoughts around how to create a really good new year's resolution so you are set up for success rather than setting up for fail and actually different ways in which you can frame those and just some different things to think about that you may not have necessarily ever considered right so before we kind of get into actually how to set these up and and how to kind of set yourself up for success sorry i didn't realize actually the history of new year's resolutions i'm rubbish at history by the way and i know a couple of you <laughs> that i've got a good relationship with love history and i honestly i cannot get on board with it history and geography just I'm just like completely inept so this is very interesting for me to read actually because I would never normally choose to read anything based on history um yeah history and geography at school gosh very similar to the science point that I made last time you would never believe it honestly at school I was I was honestly horrible and now I've gone like full 180 and now I'm like an absolute goody two-shoes and I just like love learning. But anyway, once again, we're digressing already two minutes in. What could I say? So yeah, history of New Year's resolution. So I went on Wikipedia yesterday. I'm not saying Wikipedia is like uh, the, what's the word, golden source for all things factual. But for this kind of stuff, it's useful, right? So I'm just going to read out because I've got it saved on my phone. What I read on Wikipedia yesterday. So origins of new year's resolutions so i will read it out so the people made promises to their gods at the start of each year that they would return borrowed objects and pay their debts the romans began each year by making promises to their god janus janus sorry if i was going to offend people for whom the month of january is named oh it's probably janus said isn't it god brony seriously sort it out in the medieval era the knights took the peacock vow at the end of the Christmas season, each year to reaffirm their commitment to chivalry. Interesting. And at watch night services, many Christians prepare for the year ahead by praying and making these resolutions. So it's quite interesting that it, obviously this goes back years and years and years, right? And this has been going on since, well, it says the Romans here. I'm sure it was probably before that and, and the medieval era, right? But why do we do it? Like, why do we do New Year's resolutions? Like, I, it's very interesting, as I say. Like, I don't do them myself, really. I mean, I probably do have some loosely linked New Year's resolutions this year, but I never kind of explicitly say, right, this is what I'm doing from January the 1st. And 
it is quite interesting that it is just to be my personal opinion is it's a societal norm like everybody thinks that they should be doing it because that's what society wants them to do so they're making you as a resolution they're not actually committed to it and they don't really care so they then don't succeed that's the that's my broad personal opinion happy to be challenged if you don't agree with that and I don't know it's I always come on to this intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation and I'm going to cover this in a bit of detail in a second but societal pressure is a very good example of extrinsic motivation okay so if you do anything for extrinsic motivation only you are much less likely to fail and uh, you know that's been proven multiple times thousands and thousands of times and I you know I can anecdotally say that that happens to me as well and I'm sure actually if you kind of strip back and you looked at maybe some goals that you'd set yourself over the last couple of years and and actually what was your true motivation behind those if it was an extrinsic factor you're probably less likely to have met them but anyway I'll come on to that in a second so very interesting in terms of actual success rates of New Year's resolutions. So once again, my my guy Wikipedia, um, it's it, oh well, I'll ask you this question quickly before I give you the the answer. How many people do you think actually succeed with their New Year's resolutions? How many people do you think actually make them? Do you think everybody does? Well. This didn't broadly shock me, but I did find it interesting. So a couple of studies over recent years, approximately, this is based on Americans, okay, so I'm sure that it's broadly the same across the globe, but around 40 to 50% of of Americans do actually start and create New Year's resolutions. Um, And out of those, just under half of them will make the common, quote-unquote, New Year's resolutions, like weight loss, um, exercise, quitting smoking, getting healthier, etc. Um, but the interesting thing is, uh, there's a study, I think it was, what does it say here? It wasn't fairly recently, it's quite an older one. Um, doesn't say. But anyway, you are more likely, so you're 10 times more likely to succeed if you start a New Year's resolution at this time of year and if you set your goal now which is really interesting, and I'm not sure what the driver for that is. So with that in mind, that's why I'm kind of pro New Year's resolutions, because one side of me thinks you don't need to wait until start of the year to do something just because society says that you should. But then actually, the science shows that if you do do that, you are much more likely to succeed. And that'll be a combination of a lot of things that might be, you know, increased focus, it might be you've actually had time to think and prepare and plan over the Christmas period. Um, it might be some societal pressure. It might be some pressure from from extrinsic sources, which isn't inherently a good thing. But actually, if it helps you succeed and you then get to your goal, then then it can be a good thing, right? So that's very interesting. So you're you're ten times more likely to hit a goal if you set it this this time of year. So in terms of success rates, then interestingly, um, it, it very much depends. I think most people don't hit their goal something like 85 to 90 percent of people fail their new year's resolution and i'll come to how that's broken down in a second but that's pretty high and a study looked at actually out of those people who didn't hit their goal 
whether that was I mean sometimes it's like literally day two like (laughs) okay my new year's resolution is I'm going to stop eating crisps I mean it's a crap example but you see what I'm saying and then on day two they eat a packet of salt and vinegar right so you know 88% of people say between 85 and and 90 um fail their new year's resolutions but actually out of that population of people um 35% of people this was a I think it was 2014-2015 study um, actually said that it's because they had unrealistic goals. 33% of them did not keep track of their progress. 23% of them forgot about them. And then one in 10 claimed they made too many resolutions. So just think about that when we go through this podcast. That's objective um, data, right? That That's not my personal opinion. That's, that's kind of what's been proven. I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of that um that report but but yeah so basically unrealistic goals not tracking them um too many resolutions i can definitely relate to that one when i was younger christ and 23 percent people forgot about them so what does that mean then how can we mitigate those things and how can we plan so we're not going to hit that and we're not going to forget about them we're not going to set unrealistic goals So there's a couple of different ways that we can look at it. And firstly, we need to understand what is ultimately driving the New Year's resolution. Like, what is it? Is it that you want to get to a particular goal? Is it that you want to ingrain a habit? What's the overarching end result of it? You saying my New Year's resolution is I'm going to stop eating chocolate. Okay, but that's not really what you want. That's an activity that you want to do to hit a goal. Your goal might be weight loss, for example. Okay, I don't know. But you need to think about that. So when you're setting these resolutions, are you just setting them just arbitrary figures and arbitrary things just because you think it's the right thing to do? Does it actually align to your ultimate goal? And when you've genuinely had a thought about what your ultimate goal is and whether that aligns with your values, then you can decide what kind of resolution you want. So is broadly two types of resolutions. I don't know the technical terms for these, so don't at me. But there's resolutions which are kind of an ongoing daily resolution, like a habit-based one. And then you've got basically a goal rather than a resolution. So the habit-based ones can roll up into the goal, but sometimes they are separate and they're independent. And once again, it very much depends on why are you doing this and why have you set this resolution and is it sustainable so if we look at the habit one first so examples i've given a couple already but examples could be things like um stopping smoking or not eating crisps not eating chocolate etc etc so the first thing that you notice about those are they're all negative language so they're all stop doing something don't do something avoid something So that's fine. However, you're much more likely to fail with a negative language goal or habit. And a couple of reasons for this. One of them being the purple elephant effect. I'm sure you guys would have heard of this before. If I tell you now, don't think about purple elephants. What are you thinking about? A big fat purple elephant. So when we set a goal like, okay, don't do something, in the back of your mind, and sometimes in the front of your mind, all you're thinking about is that thing. Okay, so if you want to build a habit based New Year's resolution, what you need to do is think about, you know, initially it might be that 
I don't know, stopping smoking might be one or not eating rubbish might be one. I don't know. But you need to write that down, what your initial thoughts were on kind of the idea for your New Year's resolution. And you then need to flip it and you need to reframe it. Okay, so not eating crisps after after dinner. I mean, I'm just saying this because clearly I really like crisps. I've, I've clearly got some kind of um, emotional attachment that I keep mentioning them this morning. So let's say my one would be, okay, I want to stop eating crisps after dinner, watching TV. That's not a great one because at some point I'm going to break that. And then when I break that, that's it. It's the all or nothing mentality. It all comes in. You failed. What's the point? You give up. And that was just an absolute pointless New Year's resolution. So for something that you are likely going to fail, there is literally no point in creating it. So how can we change that particular habit and that particular resolution to something that you are more likely to stick by? Okay, what would you do instead of eating crisps? Might be that you eat fruit instead. It might be that you go for a walk. It might be that you do a hobby. I don't know. But there'll be something that you would do in the absence of eating crisps in an ideal world. So frame your resolution as that. So don't frame it as, I will no longer eat crisps after 6pm. Frame it as, after 6pm, if I want a snack, I will eat an apple. This is a very crude example, right? Do you get my point? So change it from a negative language, I won't do something, to a positive language, I will do something. And then in that case you are actually technically less likely to fail because you don't have that absolute of of a measurement of of failure, okay? Because actually you haven't said to yourself that you won't eat crisps. So actually if you do eat some crisps, fine, you haven't failed in your resolution, if that makes sense. And it also just helps with just framing anything in a positive light. Um, It it just helps in so many different ways, not just necessarily in New Year's resolutions and in, in diet and fitness, but... Um, that that's kind of the key thing I would say if you are looking at a habit-based New Year's resolution. I will just say though, it kind of goes back to that earlier point around why are you doing it? Is a habit-based one really the right thing? Like I don't know. For some people, maybe, but just really genuinely sit down and take a look at yourself and think, okay, why do I want to do this habit-based resolution? Actually, is there something that's more effective? Is there something more long term that I can look at or am I just doing it because I think I should because my mate's doing one? So that's obviously totally personal and that's up to you. But I wouldn't necessarily like to always choose habit based New Year's resolutions because, yeah, there's just more effective and efficient ways that you can set goals and and make progress. Right. So that's kind of the first bucket of New Year's resolutions and that that I see and then the second one is the more broader picture on goals and goal I mean goal setting is it's a minefield it's like yeah I mean I could literally sit here and talk about this for days and I'm not an expert I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert this is just kind of information that I've picked up along the way experience that I've had both in my personal life and in my professional life and yeah like goals are just mad and I'm seeing a lot more of it positive correct and helpful content on goal setting um, over recent weeks which is really really good but there are other ways and just different things that you can do really to optimize your goal setting and 
And for my clients, you know, that that's the, the first thing that we do, right, when we start working together, it's a goal setting workshop. So um, for all of you that are listening that have done one of these with me before, it's very similar, right, the, the way that you would then frame your New Year's resolutions. So first thing, you guys will have all heard of SMART goals. I'm sure you have. I mean, pretty sure we learned this at school. So SMART being specific. So it needs to be specific I don't even know another word for that so I don't know instead of saying I would like to lose weight it might be I would like to lose a stone let's just say it needs to be measurable there's something that you can actually track so as we just said just a second ago on that Wikipedia page 23% of people failed their new year's resolutions because they couldn't actually measure it and they forgot about it they didn't track it so just think about that You don't have to be like a data wizard or like an analyst, but you just need to at least know if you are doing the right thing, if you're moving in the correct way, um, just to make sure that you are on track. So so weight loss is fine because you can absolutely measure that just by stepping on the scales or, or, you know, putting a tape measure around your waist or whatever. Right. So so that's that's easily measurable. Next one is achievable. So achievable is a very interesting one. And I have some very specific thoughts on this. Because you want to set stretch goals and you want to set a goal that will push you and you want to set something that maybe takes you a little bit out of your comfort zone. But if it's not achievable, then there's no point and you will not achieve your goal and then all the negative things that come with that. And and you'll kind of go into this once again, this all or nothing mentality, give up and think, oh, well, what was the point in that? So when it comes to setting kind of bigger long term goals, really you want to set something that's probably about 80% of your um your ability so if you think you can do something take about 20% of that off so like, I don't know let's just say you can honestly you think you can achieve like I don't know my maths is not quick here I'm too tired um, let's say I don't know you could you want to achieve a stone weight loss over x period of time and you genuinely think that's achievable for you and you can do it my recommendation is actually set your goal at 0.8 of a stone reason for that is twofold because you're more likely to hit it and overachieve okay and that overachievement then spurs on additional motivation it then spurs on momentum and it's just all round a better way to do it it might be a little bit slow at the start but trust me when it comes to longer term things that is the way to do it for sure so that's what i suggest so in under the uh, the achievable pillar next one is um what boy now s m a i can't even spell this morning r so relevant so this one's, uh, this one's interesting as well. Once again, kind of comes back to the point that we've just made. So actually, is your goal relevant to your wider long-term goal, strategy, vision, values, insert corporate buzzword here? Most of the time, yes. But is it really? So actually, the goal that you've just set yourself, is that really going to help you where you want to be in a year's time? Just ask yourself that question. Is it actually relevant to your longer-term goals? And the last one, T, is for time-bound or timely. So that's essentially, it's it's just kind of making it a bit more specific again. So actually, I want to lose a stone by X date, or I want to be able to run a 5K by Y date, and just having that timestamp on there. So you've then got that measure of success again. So 
So those are broadly how everyone says that they should um, create goals. Okay, you'll pick that up in any textbook anywhere, any business like coaching course or anything. I agree with all of these, obviously, but I think that's a little bit too basic in my personal opinion. So if we think about, I don't know, let's let's use weight loss as an example, because I think that will be key for a lot of people um, kind of going into January. So, yeah, you can set all of these things. So specific, yeah, want to lose a stone. Um, measurable, yeah, that's fine. I can get on the scales. Achievable, yes. I, I think I could do that. Realistically, I could probably do a little bit more than a stone. So I'll set it as a stone. Um, relevant, yes, because actually my overarching longer term goal is to improve my health um, so I can be more available for my kids. And uh, timely, I want to lose that stone by March. Okay, end of March. So that kind of ticks every box here. But what we're missing is the motivation part. So why do you want to lose a stone? What's driving that? And as I said at the start, it comes down to intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. This does sound a little bit corporate, but I promise it's relevant. So intrinsic motivation is motivation that comes from within. So if you were just to be sat in your house, there were no external variables whatsoever, you would still feel the same way about your goal. You would still want to hit it regardless of other people, finances, anything external. It comes from within, okay? And then extrinsic is the opposite. So it's driven by an outside source or an outside variable. And a lot of people get these two a bit intertwined because they are complex and they are intertwined. So an example with fat loss is an extrinsic motivator might be societal pressure. It might be the fact that all of your friends have lost weight, so you want to lose weight. It might be that you don't want to look a certain way in front of certain people because you're worried about what they may think and their perception. Um, it might be... I mean, yeah, let's let's just go with those for extrinsic things at the moment for weight loss. Intrinsic is more around how you feel and what's motivating you with your longer term goals. Because ultimately, you know, what people say about you, that's not an intrinsic piece. That That's an external variable. OK, whereas you can flip it to an extrinsic intrinsic part. Sorry. So actually, why do you care about what people think? Is it because you've got low self-esteem? Is it because you need to increase your confidence? Is it, Do you see what I mean? So just have a think about why are you doing it? But actually, what does that mean to you specifically from an intrinsic perspective? So with weight loss, majority of the time, it comes down to health and happiness. Yeah. So people initially say, oh, you know, I want to drop a dress size because I want to look good in a dress. OK, do you actually want to look good in the dress? Is that really the driver or is the driver you want to be happy and you want to be confident and that then manifests as looking good in the dress, if that makes any sense. So when it comes to your resolution and your goal, just really genuinely ask yourself, what's my intrinsic motivation and what's my extrinsic motivation? There will sometimes be a combination of the two, especially when it comes to things like finances, for example. And a lot of the time, extrinsic motivation is very important, like, but there'll always be something intrinsically that you can 
use and you can go with. And I promise you now, if you frame whatever goal or habit in a, from an intrinsic perspective, you will be much more likely to succeed. So I'll give you an example that, that isn't fat loss related and is, is a work one. Okay. So this week, well, last week, actually, before I uh, broke up before Christmas, I spent a few hours writing a strategy deck. Okay. So it's just a PowerPoint with some stuff for work. Okay. I won't go into what it is, but is that the most exciting thing in the world? No, I'm doing work. Okay, so my extrinsic motivation here is obviously doing a good job at work. So I get paid. Yeah, like the financial element Um, perception of my peers and my stakeholders and their feedback. That's an extrinsic motivation and my boss. Right. And actually, then, if I do this work really well, what then happens? That might be an opportunity for me. It might be I mean, it could be anything. Um but like an external outcome, okay? When I was doing it, I'm sure, I don't know what you guys do for for work or jobs or anything, but if you're not super, like, I know passionate's the wrong word because I am passionate about my job, but it's not the most, like, interesting thing in the whole entire world. Like, I'd much rather be looking at nutrition or, or fitness stuff, but I still enjoy it and I still love it, but I had to then reframe this slightly differently. So instead of being like, oh, I've got to do this piece of work because if I don't do this, like I'm, my pay is going to be impacted or like my stakeholders are going to think I'm an idiot or whatever. Instead of thinking it that way, I've completely switched the thought process. So I've got this opportunity to do this piece of work. Actually, for me personally, this is really good because I'm learning and one of my values is learning and I want to self-develop. So actually... Yeah, it's not the most interesting thing I've ever done, but doing this piece of work will really help me and develop me as a person. And I want to do that because that will make me happy. And then I've just flipped that to to an ex, uh, sorry from an extrinsic motivation to an intrinsic one. And then when you're doing your piece of work, you know, if you kind of get halfway through and you think, oh, I can't be bothered to do this. Instead of thinking, oh, I can't be bothered to do this, but I've got to do it because otherwise my boss is going to be annoyed at me. You say, oh, I can't be bothered to do this. But actually, yes, I can, because there's a real benefit in it for me. And I know that it's the right thing to do. And it will make me happy ultimately overall. So that's just another viewpoint on on kind of how to reframe your goals, pieces of work, things that you do for your health and fitness. Could be anything like running a 5K. Actually, you'd probably be like, oh. I've got to do it because otherwise my PT is going to be really annoyed at me. I've got to train because of this. I've, I've already signed up for an event. So I've got to do it. Well, flip it and think, okay, actually, how well, well, how happy, sorry, will you feel if you go and train? How will that make you feel inside? How will that help you progress towards your goals? Who cares about your PT? Who cares about the, the race? Oh, well, it's just money. Actually, what does that mean for you? And how does that mean that you're working towards your your bigger values and and your core beliefs, right? So, so that's what you need to think about when setting goals and and habits. All right. And I guess the next thing then, once you set your goal and you've got this this smart goal, and you think, yeah, do you know what? I can do this. I can work towards this. This is achievable. But then, where do you start? What do you do? Like, honestly, so many people are like, yeah, I'm going to lose weight. That's my goal. Okay, how? How are you going to do that? 
I'm going to get fitter. That's my goal. Okay, what does that look like? What does success look like for you? And how can you ensure that you are definitely going to do it? So the way that I look at these things is you need to break it down layer by layer until you cannot go any lower. And I'm not saying you need to be sat there with a pen and paper for hours and hours and hours, like writing out all the different levels of your your goal setting. But definitely a few layers, right? So once again, I'll use the fat loss example as as the one because I'm I'm sure a lot of you can resonate. But, you know, this is relevant to any, any goal. And the way that I look at it and the way that I try and frame these things is think about your goal almost like a business plan for your life. Very cheesy. Sorry, guys. I mean, you're going to have to get used to this. But just think about it like your goal is a successful business. So ask any entrepreneur, how do you build a successful business? So you need a strategy. You need to know what you're doing. You need tools. You need investment. You need staff. You need to review things. You need to analyse. You need to be able to overcome setbacks and be resilient. But ultimately, you need a strategy and you need a plan. And people need to know what they're doing when. You need to have teams lined up to do certain bits of work. You need all your marketing sorted. You you know, I could go on forever. But think about your goal a, a little bit like that. Right. So, okay, fat loss is my goal. What are all the components that I need to get to that goal? What are my key pillars? So it might be things like, for you personally, calorie counting. I know that I need to have less calories, I need to eat, sorry, less calories than I burn. That's, that's a pillar, you need to do that. Might be that you know you need to increase your protein or your fibre intake. It might be that you want to start exercising or train um, change up your training routine. It might be that you need to work on your sleep and your stress management. These things are all very um, personal. I mean, they're not, they're not and they are because ultimately those things are fundamentals of fat loss. But, you know, you need to think about actually what are the big ones to you. I would suggest those are. So you've got kind of your, your main pillars. So, right, now I need to eat in a calorie deficit. I need to do some training. I need to sort out my sleep and my stress. I need to also, you know, think about your daily steps and your your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, your NEAT, which is basically any activity that you do which isn't like official kind of structured exercise as such. So you've got those. Those are kind of your, your pillars and your fundamentals, shall we say. And then you need to think about what sits underneath those. Okay, so how can you be successful when heat hit? get my teeth in hitting each of those mini goals so let's use the calorie balance as an example so the first one so what do you need to do okay so probably going to need to start tracking your calories if you don't already you're going to need to understand how many calories you should or shouldn't be eating you might need to do an online calorie calculator you might need to review your food diary. You might need to have a look on my fitness power over the last, well, maybe not the last couple of weeks because it has been Christmas, but, you know, have a little look and think, okay, are there any trigger foods here? Are there any particular foods which are really high calorie that I maybe don't want to include? Might want to do a bit of a review. You might then think, oh, actually, I need to increase my fruit and vegetables, etc. So those are the things that would sit underneath that initial pillar of being a calorie deficit all of those components that you'd need to do 
to then be able to hit that goal. If you look at um, steps, for example, so increasing your need, okay, what things will you need to do to increase your need? You might want to get a fitness tracker if you don't already. I'm not saying go out and buy like a 300 quid Garmin or anything, but you know, you might want to get a cheap one from, from Amazon, like 20 quid Mi Band. I don't know. You might want to use your phone. That might be something that you need to think about. You might want to implement a habit of going for a walk every day. You might want to park further away at work, for example. So you have to walk a little bit when you do commute. Don't know. It's all individual. But those are the individual kind of activities that you would need to do to hit that goal. So you, what you'd need to do is basically map out okay, your ultimate goal. You're then kind of five or six pillars that sit underneath that. You then need to map out under each of those pillars, actually, what specific things do I need to do to be able to hit that pillar? Okay. And then sometimes you have to go down another level and another level. So let's say with uh, the calorie counting piece, right, we said around my fitness pal. So one of your activities would be to um, start tracking. Okay. But what does that mean? Maybe you don't even have my fitness power yet. Maybe you need to actually research my fitness power. Maybe you need to understand how to track. So that would be kind of underneath by another level. So you basically go down as many times as you as you need until you're like, no, definitely know how to do that. Super got a plan. And it might be something really silly like, I don't know, one of your, your mini goals may be around eating more fruit and veg. How do you then do that? How do you implement that? Because you don't just wake up and like five apples like appear next to you on your bed. Like you have to do something to put yourself in the environment that eating fruit and veg is easy. So so what is that? What does that look like for you? Is that doing a meal plan each week? Is that specifically, you know, writing a shopping list at a certain time with certain fruit and veg on? Is that going to the green graces? I don't know. It, it depends. It's It all depends on your personal circumstances and and what works for you and your family and your environment and all the many variables that we all talk about. So so that's really how to set a good news resolution, right? So just to sum up, pick something that is achievable and relevant. Ensure your motivation is intrinsic where possible rather than extrinsic. And if you're not sure, write down, let me know and I'll happily help you reframe it. If it's one of these things that's an ongoing New Year's resolution, reframe the language. So a positive rather than a negative. If it's an ultimate longer term, larger goal, break this down into your activity goals and your habits, like we've just said. And then the last one, which I haven't mentioned is write it down and look at it every bleeding day. So I don't care. Write it on your wall for all I care. Put it on your fridge. Set yourself an alarm on your phone. If you are constantly reminded of your goal, whether that is the lower level, what you need to do in your habits, or your overarching ultimate goal, you are much more likely to achieve it because you have the focus there and you won't forget and you have a plan. And I was reading something the other day, well, a couple of months ago, actually, that people who write down their goals, this is a mental statistic, by the way. People that write down their goals are 42% more likely to hit them. So let me caveat, this doesn't mean if you write down your goal, you are more likely to hit it because it's the other way around. But it suggests that people that do write them down are the kind of people who would hit their goals. So become that person. 
And this, I will finish on on one last thing before I let you all go, is something that I ask myself, and don't get me wrong, I'm not amazing at this, and there's definitely work I can do in this space. But something I ask myself when I'm making a decision, or I'm working on something, or, you know, I just, just need to think about something in a slightly different way is, I look at somebody who is successful for the thing that I'm trying to achieve. So, I don't know, let's say, like if weight loss was an example, um, somebody who's lost lots of weight could be your motivation. And, or if growing your business is an example, I don't know, I was going to say Elon Musk, but I actually really don't like him. So he's a bad example. But, you know, a successful businessman or woman would be an example. And you'd ask yourself, when you're doing whatever you're doing, what would that person do in this situation? And I will just leave that there for you to think about. A little bit heavy for a first podcast, but hopefully helpful nonetheless. So if I take, if you take sorry, one thing away from this, get a good goal, write it down and genuinely, truly ask yourself, are you doing the right thing? And I'll leave it there. Have an absolutely wonderful day, everybody. Let me know if you have any feedback, positive, negative, indifferent. Don't take offence. And yeah, I hope that was I hope that was useful. And please let me know of your New Year's resolutions. And if you need any help with reframing them or if you want to have a chat just to maybe come up with a more structured setting for your New Year's resolution, and just let me know. And as always, I'm more than happy to help. Uh, voice notes on Instagram, very welcome as, as usual as well. But yeah, hope that's helpful. Have a wonderful day and I will speak to you all very soon.